it's so powerful because you're not telling someone on a piece of paper that you could do it. You're just showing them like, hey, I put content about this every day or every two days. Like, I'm not telling you I can do it. I'm showing you I can do it. Honestly, as a marketer, if you can't market yourself, are you really a good marketer? Like, I think it's especially important for marketers that you can market yourself. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. If there's one thing that I've noticed as someone who's early in my marketing career is that there's no right or wrong way to be a marketer. There's no right or wrong way to run a campaign. There's no right or wrong way to achieve certain results. And there's certainly no right or wrong way to build your career. My guest today is a perfect example of how you can repurpose your past experiences to move your marketing career forward. She's got a PhD in economics, but don't let that fool you. She pairs her analytical background with a creative flair and a love for effective communication. She's the new senior go-to-market marketer at Team Leader CRM. All the way from Belgium is Sophie Suta. Did I nail your last name there? <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. And also, I mean, that must have been like the nicest introduction I've ever had. So thank you for that. Oh, I mean, like it's... It makes it sound much more impressive than it actually is. <laughs> So maybe we could talk about that later about like how to market yourself because yeah. honestly like having a having a PhD in anything is is an impressive feat and it's funny because like a lot of researchers almost don't feel like it's a big deal but it's a huge deal you spent 4 years studying economics to get that right True and I'm one of those researchers like to me it's not such a big deal like because I've seen so many people around me do it and honestly, I think I'm not even such a good one. I, I, when I looked around me, I saw some people that were just brilliant and I'm not one of them. So I'm like, I'm just a normal, you know, a normal person with a doctorate. <laughs> because you're in this like small little bubble of people that all have PhDs and it becomes normal. And that makes it so funny to then make the transition to like the normal world and the private sector. And all of a sudden, everything is different. And the way it's perceived, the PhD is very different. And actually, like when you're looking for a job and you have a PhD, sometimes it works um, not in your favor because people don't understand it. They make all these mm, things in their mind that they think a PhD is. Mm. So at one job interview, I actually had a person tell me like like 15 minutes in the interview, he was saying like, yeah, but you know what? I don't really understand. You don't talk like a PhD. And I'm like, what do you like? How would a PhD even talk? You know, like we're also just normal people, right? <laughs> I think there's a lot to be learned from people who commit to research because you need to focus on a specific tiny little area of a much bigger picture. You're actually trying to prove yourself wrong by baking, baking hypotheses. And I'm the kind of person who loves to have like multiple things on the go all the time that I'm kind of half thinking about. They're all in different work, like parts of my world. There's not a whole lot of like focus on it. How did you, how did you spend so much time on a specific topic without going crazy? Like, is there any, is there any secret yeah. to that? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting, that, it's interesting that you say that because me as a person, I also like variation. I really need to have different things going on. I need to be like learning new things all the time. And it's actually, when you, when you think about it, you think, okay, you're just researching this one tiny topic. But once you start to get into the topic, it's like the topic all of a sudden becomes like much bigger. And, and there's like, yeah, it's this funny thing where the more you go deeper in it, the more it like has like links with all kinds of other fields. And so mine was about economics, but then I also talked a lot about people that were in law and that were in political science because there was like overlap. And so it's this small topic that becomes massive and you can use all these different methods of research. It's not just one method. So in the end, it's also very multifaceted and that keeps it interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You actually just by focusing, you you realize how little you know about the whole topic. And right. you're allowed to connect the dots without overcomplicating it and kind of getting too big picture. Yeah, absolutely. And and the simplifying, like simplifying things is really important because then you also have to like communicate this research. And my research was about free trade agreements, like like when I wanted to explain that to my grandmother, she was like, yeah, but I don't know what's a free trade agreement. So then you already have to be like, okay, I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to make this story about how countries trade with each other, right? Because that she can understand. And so like to communicate effectively, that was a really, really good lesson in that. Like, how do you now talk about your research in a way that people can understand it? Because what's the point of doing research if then no one can understand it? There's no point, right? Well, what did that transition look like for you to figure out that it made sense in your head, but you needed to explain it differently? Well, I tried to explain my grandmother 40 times, I think, <laughs> before she understood what it actually was. So that really, really helped. <laughs> uh, and then it's a process. Um, it's a process where you're, you'll be on a conference, for example, that's not necessarily about your topic and you try to explain it. And you see like the reaction of the other person, like, or you see like their, their eyes go like all glossy, right? And you're like, okay, they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So then next time you start again and you do it slightly differently. So basically you're just testing and you're like, okay, if I say it this way, they kind of got it. If I say it this way, ooh, no. And then also I always, I start with like one or two sentences and I try to see in the other person, like, is there more interest? Do I go further? Do I explain more or do I stop here? And it's really, it's a bit like marketing, right? You send out your message, you get feedback. Uh, did they get it? Did they not get it? Was it interesting for them? Uh, and then you adapt and you do it again and you do it a lot of times and then something useful comes out of it. <laughs> and then sometimes it works. <laughs> and sometimes it works. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden people say like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. Or, oh yeah, that's super interesting. And then you're like, yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's awesome. And I think conferences are a great example of, of, of that because everyone comes for different reasons. They all have different contexts about what they're there to learn about. One, one tip that I heard from someone that I've, I've used and I think is really effective is if someone says, Hey, what do you do? Or what's your research or what's this product? Before you start diving into any of the specifics, you say, you know how countries trade with each other. You start with like, you know how, and then you like set the stage about what you're about to talk about. You're like, you know, countries trade with each other. Cause then you can get an idea. If the person says, Oh, not really. I don't know how countries trade with each other. Then you can like take it really back and do like the full stripped down, like very simple version. But if yeah. someone says, oh, you mean free trade agreement? Then you can like understand that they have like at least a baseline understanding and then you can like dive into it. So I always thought that was kind of a cool way to frame it. Where's this person at, right? Can I have to make it 
like a little bit complicated. It doesn't have to be super simple. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to frame the problem too, right? So putting it to like a business example, say you're trying to sell coffee mugs. You're like, you know how in the morning you want to wake up and just have those moments of silence where you feel really cozy and just have a cup of coffee. And if the person says, oh, I don't drink coffee, then you say, oh, well, good thing we sell tea mugs. (laughs) But if the person says, oh, I love that, then you're like, good thing we sell coffee mugs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to hook them and make it like interesting in, for their world, right? Because they live in their world, not in yours. Yeah, yeah, totally. I like that example. Was it the economic side of things or was it the communication side of thing that influenced you more to, to pursue marketing after you finished your research? Yeah. So it's interesting because I never kind of knew what I wanted to do with my life. So I, before I studied economics, I studied one year of criminology figured out that that was not my thing, then thought, okay, why not? Let's try economics. But I also thought communication sciences is kind of interesting. Let's try to do both. That kind of worked, so I did both. And then the PhD, I really didn't know what to do after graduating. And then the PhD kind of happened. So I was like, okay, sure, we can do that. So I I kept going, but I I always felt like I don't know what it is that I want to do with my life. But what I did know, and that I figured out during the PhD when I was doing a lot of data work, I was like, mm, this is too dry for me. And I really need this, this mix of like a bit more creative and more with words and, and copy and that kind of stuff together with, because I am analytical, something more analytical, something more with data and something logical. And I, I also did an internship as a journalist for two months. And there it was all writing and, and no analytical side. And that was also not what I wanted. So basically, then I put the both things together. I was like, okay, I'm looking for a job that's analytical, but where I can also write and where I can still, I like to do something with people. So I like to get into their minds. I'm, I'm quite I'm quite empathic and I really care about how people feel. So I thought, okay, let's try marketing. And then... I was lucky enough to find a job in marketing. And since then, I just, I love it. And I'm, even today, like I'm reading so much stuff about marketing in my free time just because I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some LinkedIn posts of you, yours where you're like, does anyone else dream about the books you're reading when you go to bed? It's like, yeah, I do. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is about like marketing books, but it's, it, I think it's a simple simplification, right? Like you take just something that's everyone feels and everyone's experiencing and then you just like put a little bit of a twist on it and and sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't but when it clicks someone's like oh i totally get it yeah indeed and then you can also like go apply it or like all of a sudden you see like something clicks and you see it everywhere in your work and you're like yeah that's true this works because of that so yeah it's yeah. so with no marketing experience how did you package your previous uh skills or knowledge or enthusiasm to get that first job because it's not necessarily, it's not like there's a huge barrier to entry of becoming a marketer. It's not like you can get like a, like a, a certificate that you are who you say you are. It's, it's a pretty open-ended job where you can just, as, as long as you are results-oriented and can deliver, you can move as far as you want. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, my CV basically at the time looked like I have a PhD in economics and that's it. So there was very little relevant relevant experience to go from so I really had to package it in a good way and so first of all what I noticed was that people didn't know what a PhD actually meant so it was really important for me during my job interviews to actually explain that as the first thing and I said you know maybe I'm going to explain you what my PhD is 
and maybe it's some things are going to sound familiar to you. So I started explaining that basically a PhD is first, you have to find a hole in the market. Like you have to go through all the research and find something that hasn't been researched before, right? Because there's no point to just duplicate what's already existing. Then you go and you, you do the work. You find the data, you analyze it. So I'm really good with data. Throw any data set at me and I'll, I'll, I'll find a story in it. And then once you find that story in the data, you have to sell it. Because the ultimate point of writing a paper is to get it published in a journal or to go to a conference with it, right? So it has to be interesting. So you have to position it in a certain way so that it makes your contribution to the literature seem massive, right? You have to make it interesting. You have to tell people why you did something and they have to think that it's actually useful that you did that. Um, and so then, you know, and then you go to conferences, people will give you feedback, but you also have to build relationships because it's much easier to do future research if you have some relationships and you can work together with other people or it's easier to get into a journal when maybe they already know you. So basically all of those skills, there's marketing, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, have to, you, you have to think with the end in mind and position it in a way before you even do any of the, any of the heavy lifting of doing the research. Exactly. Because like once you decide on a topic and you go for it, it takes you usually six months to do it. No? So you want to make sure in the beginning that what you're going to do actually makes sense. Yeah. And so when you were going out and interviewing, did that resonate with the people who were interviewing you for a marketing role? It did, it did. And then all of a sudden, and you saw it with them as well, all of a sudden, like something clicked in their brain. And that's why they were like, ah, but you don't speak like a PhD. Yeah, because, yeah, okay, now I see why. Because actually, maybe like they had in their mind that you're this kind of nerd in a lab doing, I don't know mm. what. That was not my experience as a PhD. And then at the same time, so the summer before I started looking for a job, I started um, working a bit on my mom's business. And so we started recording movies uh, where she's cooking. So my mom has, a, let me start with the beginning. My mom has a small business and she sells books for cooking books for a cooking robot. So it's super niche product. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, we live in Belgium, so she does everything in Dutch. So the market is very small, but it's viable. And we saw that there was not much um, in terms of like video stuff. So we decided to do a YouTube channel. Uh, and so I figured out how to make videos because I had no idea. And so I could also use that in my interviews to say like, hey, I've been doing some, you know, it's not much, but I've been doing some stuff for my mom. First of all, it's working. Second of all, I figured it out all by myself. So like I'm a self starter, you have proof of that. And third of all, I really like it. And like my enthusiasm, they could really tell. And that also does a lot. Again, it's not like you need to have a degree in video editing or SEO or any of those things. Those are things that you can pick up for free by watching a couple hours of YouTube and putting in some, some hours to do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like putting everything together, I think what those people that were hiring me saw was that, I, first of all, I'm really passionate. Second of all, I have a PhD, so I can learn things by myself. And then third of all, I'm a self-starter. So you throw something at me, I'll figure it out, you know, and, and that's very valuable in the startup world. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, based on your, your the points right there, like it makes sense that you got hired. <laughs> you got hired. <laughs> what were some of the, the bad habits, though, that you needed to cut from your kind of previous experience as a researcher going into the marketing world? What, what were some things all of a sudden you realized, oh, that's a bad habit. I got to get rid of that. Yeah, well, 
I still haven't gotten rid of it. But what, what research does to you is that basically you have like four years where you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's not that strong, but you really have so much freedom. And then all of a sudden you have to work for a boss. You have to go to the office. Like to me in the beginning, that was crazy. You know, with my PhD, I didn't want to go. I didn't go. I worked from home one day. I went at 12 one day if I felt like it. I, you know, you could choose everything. And now, you know, it has to be, you have to be put in like a little box, right? You have to show up on time. You have to do what's asked. You have to deliver on time. You have to be nice to everyone around you. Not that I'm an awful person, but like there's all these expectations of like how to be a normal employee that I wasn't so much used to. Yeah. And and I still have it sometimes. Like I'm, I have to remind myself that it makes a lot of sense that there are bosses sometimes, but I'm working <laughs> that, so that's okay. <laughs> so then you had that, that first role uh, as a marketer. And then since then, you, you've, you've moved around a f- to a few different companies, primarily in the software space. Before we get into some of the detail, why did you choose software as your uh, industry that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, more than software, what I really like is the startup world because it's the sector, I think, where you get the most freedom. And I realized that coming from research that that was important for me because otherwise the step would be too big, right? Plus, it was also the sector where it was valued that I took initiative, that I did things differently. Because I have a different background, I sometimes ask really dumb questions or I say like, why don't we try this? Because to me, that would make sense. And then everyone looks at me like, oh, well, yeah, we could consider. And then like more traditional businesses, I'm not sure that that would be the case. So that's why, and I really like the SaaS world. So that's why. Yeah. Nice. Let's uh, speak a little bit about transitioning from one company to another, because you just went through it. So if you've got any kind of lessons that you learned and kind of putting a little like context to it, we're recording this at the beginning of May, 2020. So a lot of the world is still in lockdown. And so they're uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to need to be transitioning roles as companies reorganize and people are let go and and it's never going to be back to the way it was two months ago. So what are some things that we should be considering in making that graceful transition from one from one opportunity to another? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if, if my transition is graceful. I'm not sure if I would call it that, but it worked out well, I will say. Yeah, so I've been I've been through it now twice in a short period of, in a short amount of time because what's also very difficult if you come from a different background is figuring out what it is exactly that you want and that took me some time and that's for which type of job you want like what's the job content but also which type of company do you want to be working for uh, because there's massive differences between them and you need to find the one that's right for you. And so, yeah, how would I go about finding a new, a new job? Well, you really have to, you really have to use LinkedIn. Like that, that made such a massive difference for me. Like this time that I was looking for a job, I had actually, uh, I think three companies contact me like by themselves, like, Hey, we have an opening. You want to come work for us? And I was like, what? And this was just because of LinkedIn, either because they saw my posts and with one company, they actually got me recommended by a person that I don't even know. So probably that person saw my LinkedIn content and then recommended me. And I was like, this is insane. Like how well this is working, right? It's, it's really crazy. I think, first of all, you really have to figure out what it is that you want from your job. 
um, like marketing is very broad, right? And I don't like everything in marketing. For example, for me, I like content marketing. I like like researching who's the audience, well, what should board positioning be, like work on messaging and branding, but also a bit on like the operation side. But for example, paid, I don't like to do paid marketing. It's, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You just need to like figure that out. And then, like I said, also figure out the type of company you want to work for. So for me, that's like B2B SaaS, but also like for me, it's very important uh, that a company cares about their employees and that you can like have freedom in your work and that like they invest, they invest in their people. Uh, and not everyone finds that important, but you have to figure out for yourself what it is that you want. Uh, because I think it's really important to make sure that you, that you end up in the company that, that will work for you. Mm-hmm. And then I also think you really have to think about the type of marketing you believe in. For example, and I, this is one of the reasons why I changed jobs so quickly is because I, I came to realize that I really like to test stuff quickly. I really like to like just make something that's half perfect and put it out there, see people like it, people don't like it, why. It's just how, yeah, it's the type of marketing I believe in. I also think it should be personal. It should be like conversational. You should like build a brand. But not all companies believe in that. So if then you try to do that kind of marketing in a company that doesn't believe in that, it's never going to work out. And in the beginning, I really thought I could like change it and I could like make them see that it works. It really doesn't. <laughs> it's impossible. Like, like Because even when you can prove it, the, people will always say that, yeah, but you could do it more cost effectively or why don't you? Like Everyone has an opinion about marketing. So it's so much easier when you just go for the company that fits with you. And then like once you know what you're looking for, then you really have to go all in and, and go find them. So I really made a, a list with all the B2B SaaS companies that were uh, located in the town that I live in. And I went to check every week, I went to check their website. Like, are they looking for someone or not? Like, do they have open positions? Then I also... I looked at all of their products. Do they interest me or not? Like, is the sector something that I find interesting? Because it's very difficult to do marketing if if you're not really interested in the target audience, right? Mm-hmm. So then you already narrowed down the list. And then what I did, I was I connected with everyone, like marketing people or salespeople, or if it's like a smaller company, like the founders or the CEOs, I connected with them on LinkedIn. So they would like... Yeah, every couple of days they would see my post pass by, right? So they already see like all your content and your top of mind. So see how I click there. Your uh... <laughs> very, very clever. <laughs> yeah, no, but it really works because then when they have an opening for someone in marketing, they're going to think about you, and that's exactly what happened with me. And that's also why it's important to first think which kind of job do I want to do because then you can post content about that. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come to you with that job, right? Yeah, I had a very, very similar experience with using LinkedIn to, you, you don't know what your voice is going to be until you start publishing. And then I realized, oh, it's like, it's actually more like this. It's more like this. And after a while, it started to click. And then I had people kind of asking me about it. And then all of a sudden, I was positioned. Yeah, right. And it's, it's so powerful because you're not telling someone on a piece of paper that you could do it. You're just showing them like, hey, I put content about this every day or every two days. Like, I'm not telling you I can do it. I'm showing you I can do it. But honestly, as a marketer, if you can't market yourself, 
are you really a good marketer? Like, I think it's especially important for marketers that you can market yourself. You don't need to go so on the like promotional side of some people who are like professional Instagram people. And you don't need to go undercover incognito where no one ever finds out what, about your work because you never publish it because you, you want your work to speak for itself. Like if no one sees it, then no one knows that you're doing the work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like making content and thinking that the content will speak for itself and it will be found by itself. That doesn't Un- happen. Unfortunately, right? that's not how the internet works. Yeah. <laughs> that is not how the internet works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and and the, and the sooner you realize that, the sooner you realize that other people don't care, and then you can just start start doing what you want to be doing. Yeah, for me, the realization that people don't care was so important because. My first when I started posting, I knew I wanted to start posting. And then it still took me two months to actually put my first post because I was like, well, what am I going to write? I don't know. Like, and then people are going to see it and they're going to think things about me. And you know what? It all doesn't matter. There's so much content out there. If you write something bad, LinkedIn is going to kill your post. No one's going to see it. It's buried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So get over it. Just try. Yeah. And it's practice too. Uh, it's it, You're not going to be good for your first year. but aren't you glad you started a year ago rather than today being the start of your bad year? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I was, I was a bit lucky and unlucky in a sense. So my first LinkedIn post did super well. <laughs> but of, course I had, of course I had no frame of reference. So, so then I was like, okay, like this platform is pretty cool. Okay. Let's try this more. And then of course, like the 30 posts after that all did super badly, but just because I was comparing to this first post who for just some, from some luck did really well. So then also it was difficult to be like, am I doing something wrong? Like why this first one did so well? And now it's all like terrible. Uh, but then you just, you readjust your, your mindset and that is fine. <laughs> That's going to be the rest of your career. If things are landing flat, if, if your efforts aren't getting the results you're looking for, go back to the basics and think about the positioning, your audience, and what your messaging is, right? It's not like you're, you're done. You're never going to get seen again. It's just like, oh, that's not working. Let's try something new. Yeah, absolutely. And especially marketing is just like testing all the time, right? And, and people change. And what worked two years ago is probably not going to work now anymore. So unless you really have this mindset of keep testing and keep trying... Um, this may be the wrong career for you. <laughs> Before we uh, wrap up here, Sophie, I I want to talk a little bit about how it kind of emphasize the points points that you've been making is that you can really self educate in a lot of ways to bring yourself to the next level of your career. So if you're in a in a content creation role and you'd rather be in a leadership role, like you can you can do that proactively while still being paid to be doing the work. It's not like you need to quit, go back to school, study for two years, and then come back and be like, okay, now I'm ready to take on the next level. Like you can actively be creating your own path and like laying the bricks as you're walking. Well, I didn't know anything about marketing. I landed my first job and then I learned everything on the job. So I had to learn everything while I was also working eight hours per day. So you you totally can. Like there's so many great marketing books out there. Like if you just read half an hour per day, I think that's possible. You will learn so much over the course of a year. It's incredible. Um, and th- there's so many resources. If, if you're more a video person, there's so much really good stuff on YouTube or you could like... 
podcast. I love podcasts and I've learned so much through podcasts and otherwise I would just be like on my phone on the bus, right? So like there's there's just so many things and it's really you just have to grab the opportunity because it's all there. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kevin Kelly, but he's an author and he was kind of in charge of starting Wired Magazine, which is a very uh, well-known tech magazine, but they, they kind of cover just culture in general. And uh, he's been publishing for years. And so he just had his 68th birthday. And so he wrote a 68 pieces of advice that no one asked for. But of course, it's, it's super impressive stuff. He's, he's all about writing and getting your stuff out there is to make something good, just do it. To make something great, just redo it, redo it, redo it. The secret to making fine things is remaking them. And I think that just kind of summarizes uh, a lot of our conversation here is it. It's not going to be perfect on the first try. Your first job is not going to be the exact match that you're looking for, but you are able to redo it and try again and, and keep putting yourself out there. And, and eventually you'll get to the point where you're, you're, you have the role that you wanted so much faster than if you had just kept dreaming. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, it's never too late to start. Huh? Super. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your journey with us. LinkedIn is the best place for people to reach out to you, add her to your, to your network and mention this. Absolutely. Make sure like you ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me an attribution. <laughs> absolutely. What a, what a nerdy marketing joke. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Sophie Sitta. It's spelled S-O-E-T-E, her last name. Awesome, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me so much. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.